What does Dylan Palm have against Garth Brooks? You're probably thinking that's an unexpected choice for a title, and it is. I think it'll become clear to you as you listen to this casual yet buoyant conversation we had with our friend Dylan, why that's so. We talked to him about his time here in Georgia, his upbringing on the West Coast in Washington State, and what drew him to horsemanship in the first place. Then somewhere along those lines, we wound up in Garth Brooks territory and everything went south. Well, without further ado, let's hear what the man had to say. And of course, you'll have to suffer through Joe and I's participation in this thing. Enjoy. Listening to music, we were breaking down some songs that we haven't heard. Dylan's experiencing listening to music on headphones. It's pretty intense. Pretty awesome. For the first time ever? <laughs> no, not the first time with headphones. Maybe. Not with ones these nice, though. Yeah, they are nice. Yeah. Mm. They're good headphones. Man, what are you drinking tonight, Joe? Um, I actually um, went to the grocery store and got one of those, like, you can, like, get a six pack but you make your own six pack of beer oh yeah so i've got a new belgium beer right now i've got a a voodoo ranger ipa which i'm not a big ipa guy but this one i like okay and um kaylee and i went to a brewery today so i was kind of on a beer kick when i did my grocery shopping at night I think you got me one of those one time, yeah, right? Voodoo Rangers. Yeah, yeah, you've had those around. Yeah, those are good. Yeah, they're not bad. Dylan like is said, the freaking man when it comes to having beer. I'm telling you what. <laughs> he always has a beer for Dylan? Me. Yeah. He's a good man about that. You got to stay strapped, got man. Got to stay strapped. Hey, I still owe him something, though. And I won't, like, get really deep into it. But there's, like, a certain particular thing I've been trying to get Dylan to do. And stipulation is, is if I put a bottle of Pendleton at the project that needs to be completed, he'll do it. So <laughs> before he goes back to Washington, I've got to get a bottle of Pendleton. I've got to place it a certain place <laughs> and then see if he'll do is. it. <laughs> I might do it for that. Yeah. That'd be the only way. Huh. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I wore My shoes are wore out. I might fall. Yeah. <laughs> well, you heard fall. So we'll leave the rest to your imagination. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll do it. Yeah. Man. I'm loving Whatever this you glass. guys want to divulge or not divulge. Heck yeah. Hey, can you see this glass from there? This is like the nicest whiskey yep. glass. So the last time we did a podcast, I was drinking out of my 1842 mug glass, which may or may not have come mm-hmm. from the 1842 hotel without payment. This one I found up above where I live, like on that little balcony. And this is like a sweet glass. You got about an inch of glass on the bottom. It's nice man i'm glad you can you always have an appreciation for like little things like that that i honestly if it if it holds liquor i don't really care about what the glass looks like (laughs) but you have an appreciation for those little things well it, it makes a difference i think like you know people that get nuts about drinking coffee out of a certain cup like it I know the coffee doesn't actually taste different, but like mentally mm-hmm. it feels different. The experience is different. So if part of your deal is the experience of having a cup of coffee, then the mug is going to be very important. Like I know you're not a big coffee drinker in the morning. Mm-hmm. And frankly, lately, like I was learning some stuff about coffee 
which kind of swayed my opinion on it. So I realized, like, I don't really necessarily think the taste is that great. It's more or less the ritual. So then having the right mug is key. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, it's funny. I, I don't drink coffee and, you know, I've never really dipped or, like, smoked cigarettes or anything like that. But I could 100% see the appeal, of, like, of having a ritual in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, especially like guys I've worked with that have dipped and stuff like that, just seeing them like take a can out of their back pocket and like putting a dip in before they do something. It, it's not that I want the tobacco. It's just like, man, I wish I had something like that to do. I just got to like go from task to task and, you know, yeah, there, there's no, I, I don't know what our, you like, could pick better how our psyche to do. is wired. What'd you say, Dylan? You could pick better things to do. Yeah. 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 But they're all going to find their vice. Like I've probably told you about that guy in Montana, um, Brock. Anyway, Brock would crack a Mountain Dew every morning at five o'clock and he'd down a Mountain Dew and then he'd put his dip in and then he'd get a cigarette going, you know, just before breakfast. So he had three in the morning, but the Mountain Dew came first. I don't even know where brushing his teeth lined up in that. I don't think it did. Man, you'd be freaking. If I did that right now, I would be freaking revved up, buddy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. A, that is a lot of different chemicals going into me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like these Celsius drinks. Have you had one of those? Like some gas stations don't have them, but it's an all natural energy drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that. Yeah. I've never had, I've actually pretty. never really had energy drinks. Like I said, I don't I, like not by any sort of big stance or religious thing or anything, but I just don't really never really started drinking caffeine and don't really see the need to now unless I'm like really tired. But I never really got into the energy drink thing, but I have some friends that drink those Celsius drinks now. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, they'll keep you lit up if you're driving at night or something. But. Yeah. I'm on board with the energy drink thing. I remember when I was like 14, I was around some guys, and they were so proud of drinking monster drinks, they would like save the tabs on their keychain. You ever know anyone who did that? Like Monster and Rockstar, they would save the tabs. Huh. It was kind of like a sign of, you know, superiority if you had a nice big ring full of tabs. Yeah. You're not on your phone, are you? I am. Oh, man. I know. Pretty rude. Um, yeah. Dylan, I told, do you, told Dylan we don't do that stuff on here. <laughs> no. Yeah, I I don't. <laughs> you don't. Dylan, do you you drink coffee, right? Yeah. Yeah. Were you like? Did you ever get? Well, do you still you dip from time to time? Don't you? A lot, yeah. A lot, yeah. You tried How to quit you, for a while though, right? I did. I've tried to quit several times. How did you get into dipping? That's a really good question. I don't really know. My buddy had some long time ago and then just kind of went downhill from there. But was it like, uh, cause there's gotta be a, a distinct line, right. Between like packing your first lip and then making the conscious decision, like at a gas station uh -huh. to buy your first can. Do you remember that at all? Do I remember the first time I bought it? Yeah. Cause Cause it's one thing if you're like socially like 
hey man i'm packing a lip you want one and you're like yeah okay i'll give this a try but as soon as you invest in it then you're kind of anteing up yeah in the vice right yeah so like that's almost the moment that sends you over the edge even more so than the first time doing it uh-huh in a lot of ways so like do you remember that moment like the first time i bought it when i was 18 yeah 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 i, I remember the first time i bought it i bought a log of copenhagen from uh tobacco store in Snohomish. Gotcha. Was it premeditated? Like you went there for that reason or you just saw yeah. it and you're like, no, that's why, that's why I went there. <laughs> yeah. So the, the first time you tried it, did somebody offer it to you or did you, was that when you bought yeah, it? Yeah. Somebody offered it. Okay. First time I tried it. Cause yeah. I've been offered that stuff a lot. Yeah. It's not and good believe it or not. You. I've never tasted it. Yeah. It's not good for you. Me neither. Is it anything like tasting the, the end of a cigar? If you clean it up with your teach. teeth a little bit. No, no, it's different. Okay. I've tasted that. I mean, I've had tobacco yeah. in my mouth, yeah, and I've swirled it around and chewed yeah. it and stuff. But That's drier. Spit it out pretty yeah. quick, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's drier. How how often do you dip now? Like in a day, how many lips do you pack? Uh, I don't know. Be an real. Exact Be number. honest. I don't know an exact number. It it's almost from the time I get up to the time I go to bed, pretty much. Yeah, somewhere around there. But I keep them in for a long time. Oh, okay. Get your yeah. money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cheap. Good deal. Good deal. I'm oh, psyched man. you um you got your uh your mare sold, man. Yep. That's yep. great. Yeah, she leaves tomorrow. She goes back to Washington tomorrow between nine and midnight. Okay. Great. And it's um good situation and everything. Oh, like yeah. you're happy where yeah, she's great going. situation. Yeah. Really happy about it. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for her good deal well she's she's a cool little mayor i i had a feeling you'd end up finding a good spot for her yeah yeah the lady's real happy good yeah he had her working this morning we just shipped out all of our calves this morning to nebraska so yeah that's what instagram told me that is what instagram told you isn't it yeah i see you're really trying to grow your uh your ranch instagram there yeah gotta do what you can yeah where where's you know, that coming from mostly that is to give people an opportunity to see what goes on here um mm -hmm. with the internship uh ramping up a little bit mm -hmm. you know it, now granted when people call up i'm happy to spend five minutes and tell them th some things about um what we do at the ranch and all that and learning with bill and the schedule and expectations and all that but you find yourself telling people the same thing over and over again I'm happy to do it, but it kind of takes out of your day. So, you know, having some stuff out there where people can look and see what it looks like, get a feel for it, you know how it is. If you can see something online, it's going to help them not have to ask all the little questions, kind of fill in a few blanks as far as what things look like in the scenery and day-to-day, -day, get them excited a little bit. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, I mean, having a bigger, bigger presence online, especially like a visual one, it it's worth a thousand words, you know, so I definitely understand it. I was just curious. Cause it was like all of a sudden that was always at the top of my feed, Stony Creek ranch. Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about it for a while and it's something we're just trying to do more of. It'd be great if we found somebody who actually knew how to do that stuff. Eventually we'll sick them on it. Yeah. Get them to grow it up. And I mean, we have a few people we're working with, but um, it, it'll, it'll get there. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know, man, I'm the, I, I hate social media in a sense. And I was the kid that like hated technology and I still could hawk my phone. Like this afternoon, I left my phone in the pickup for like four hours. It's like the best four hours I've had in a while. But at the same time, like there's so much crap online on Instagram and all these places that, hey, if you got a ranch account, you're going to put cattle and cow working and all this stuff we do. And, you know, why not? Why, mm-hmm. why complain about it when you own, own an account anyway? Just put good stuff on there and, you know, who knows? Because come to think of it, as much as I don't like all that stuff, um, a lot of good things have come to me through it. So yeah. I can't complain. Yeah, it it's definitely uh I wouldn't go as far to say I hate technology because there's a lot of things about technology I really like. But it is kind of a dance with the devil, right? The whole social media thing because there's a lot of power in it, but it can also just completely warp uh what's important to you really quick. You know, because it's literally engineered to just take advantage of our based instinct that's on there all the time and gets worried about clicks and likes and stuff like that so exactly yeah you start trying to live other people's life with them then comparing yourself to their fake life and next thing you know you're just spiraling and it's not healthy and i'm no you know i'm not exempt from that either but like dylan i don't even think i know like when did you first get an iphone right before i came here really yeah (sighs) yeah see He's a, he's like an OG holdout right there. Yeah, well, I only got it for the pictures. Wait, so like you didn't have a smartphone before that? No, I had a smartphone. I just had uh, Androids. Like I think I had a Samsung. Okay, I'll redo that. the question. Yeah, like a, like a yeah, smartphone. Yeah, I know I'm a jaded iPhone guy now, so I just say iPhone. Yeah, but. I don't remember when I first got a smartphone. Probably when I was like 16, something yeah. like that. Were you like at all? A- contemptuous of technology oh or? yeah i still i don't own a computer yeah yeah i don't want to own one i haven't owned one until <laughs> well, about the time joe and i started this podcast <laughs> yeah and it's been handy for a lot of other stuff yeah i bet <laughs> yeah i you know what's a really cool quote about computers um because you know like we said you can get way warped about stuff but I like computers. Computers are pretty amazing. So there's this quote from Steve Jobs when they're developing um, whatever model it was that was like the first in in home model, like the, I think it was the iMac or the iMac one or something, iMac two, something like that. And he was talking about how the most efficient animal on earth is the California condor. And how it can, um, like glide, you know, on and cover like a ton of miles off of a very small amount of calories, um, and and move its mass off of a very small amount of calories a long way. And humans aren't near that efficient, you know, walking around. But you give a human a bicycle, and all of a sudden they become the most efficient animal on the planet. And he said, this computer is going to be a bicycle for the mind. It's just going to enable people what you have going on up here. It's just going to enable you to do so much more and be so much more productive um, with your time that it's going to 
revolutionize the world. And he was right. But I think that's really like a cool way to think about computers. Is there a bicycle for the mind? Because they really do allow you to accomplish like really daunting tasks really quickly if you know how to use one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But then I think that's a two way street because then it's like a bicycle for the homeless guy so he can get to more liquor stores and down and find the Coke dealer, you know? And so you got folks that have a phone or a computer and time and some money and no discipline. And they're going to sit around TikToking and doing their deal, just scrolling, just going for it. And they're not doing what you're talking about. And I don't even think you can reason with those people. Yeah, but you could say that about like literally any technological advancement ever. So that, it, you know, it comes down to people more than it comes down to the technology, right? Like, I mean, take, for example, the printing press. People thought the printing press was going to be the end of like society because everyone was just going to be laying around reading all day and no one was going to get anything done anymore. But in reality, it actually made everyone way more educated and, you know, kind of allowed for a middle class to form in places where literature was more common and, you know, help ideas spread a lot faster, Yeah, um, which generally was considered a good thing. But I right, bet but at the same time laid around reading. Yeah, but also printing was regulated. So not everybody could just go print their random thoughts. And then if you wanted to read, especially back then, you had to be educated. And if you're educated, you had a little bit different perspective on the world. Now, you probably wouldn't even have to learn how to read. If you were a baby and you just got fed by your parents and handed an iPad at two years old, by 10 years old, I don't know if you could carry a conversation with an adult or write a thesis, but you could probably scroll TikTok and know what was going on. Yeah. So that to say, yes, I do agree. Technology is great, but at the same time, you know, and I, and I'm not like, I'm not, I don't know about all this stuff, but you know, I listen to a lot of people. And so if a lot of mental health is the result of some things with people being on social media or being exposed to too many other people's lives and ideas and people being able to project their ideas on other people easily. I wonder what, at, at what rate technology advances society and at the same time degrades the human experience. Yeah, no, I, I think it definitely can do that. Um, it, but like I said, it's, I mean, you and I, we're sitting here, like I'm having a beer, having a glass of whiskey. It's, it's like everything else. You can abuse it if you're not taught discipline and properly educated about it. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it, it makes a lot of things fun though. Shoot. Like this afternoon, we were up there with Bill. So after we had some lunch, we were doing the YouTube deal. Like we do sometimes and yep. Bill starts searching stuff and like, he's really funny about it. Like he'll search. <laughs> he doesn't like to hit search unless there's a bunch of options that pop up. Cause he doesn't think there'll be a video for that. So he'll start searching. And then if the search options go away, he's like, Oh, I guess there's no videos about this. And you're like, no, just hit search. It'll be there. But anyway, yeah. we were searching like fails, like horse fails, and <laughs> bull fails, but we ran across some cool stuff. And like in Spain, 
they've got this deal where they like run a bowl through town. And it's not like the running of the bowls. It's kind of like how we have the NFL in the United States, but then you have like Friday night football. And then you just have like a backyard football game. And these guys are like doing backyard bull running, you know? And they've Mm -hmm. got a couple guys that have this bowl on about a 50-foot rope, and they're tending the rope, and they're walking this bowl through town. They've got town boarded up, but everybody's turned out for the event. So, like, everybody and their uncle's jumping out in the street and, like, trying their hand at a little bowl fighting. And, like, some old lady who's just watching, like, totally unexpected, bowl goes over there and just demolishes her. Funny thing is, is she, like, laughs about it. Because, like, you get a little notoriety. The bowl got you, too, you know, as long as you're not like have a split femur or something, you get up and you brush off the dirt and you're happy. But it was wild. We watched that for, what do you think, like an hour? Like an hour, yeah. 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 But A lot of old people in there too. Yeah. Brave in the bowls. <laughs> but as like dumb as it looked, it looked like fun. Like they looked like fun people to hang out with. And they were just like having their own little bull running event middle of some town in Spain. Spain or something. Yeah. I bet, man. That like, when we went to Spain last fall, one thing you notice is just there seems to be less inhibitions in that culture. Like they're everyone's very willing to have a good time. You know what I mean? Like regardless of what you're doing, everyone's like willing to like live life to their fullest almost. And most Hispanics that I know are kind of the same way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're just all in. like I'm sure those people doing that they were like going in and they're all in. Oh, they were jacking with that bull, right? Yeah, there was a few that kind of they got bit, you know, and then they were all out. They were bailing, quick. <laughs> but they were still smiling, you know, like you could tell they enjoyed every minute of it. And yeah. then someone else would hop in there. It was the wildest thing. That's I think there's some I don't know if it originated in Mexico, but there's some. Mexican saying or something like that that talks about life being a beautiful struggle. So you like <laughs> embrace the good and the bad and the roller coaster and all that stuff. And you don't really have to, even if something bad's happening, like you're getting run over by a bull. It's you're experiencing like what life has to offer and you should be happy about that. And I don't know, maybe. Maybe they have a similar perspective, but I'm pretty sure I heard that from some people from Mexico. Yeah. They don't do that in Washington, do they? Not that they ever I know run a of. bull. I, I haven't seen it. Oh, man. What was, like, uh, when you moved to Georgia from Washington, besides the weather, what was the biggest like culture shock for you? Everybody down here is really kind, everybody down here is real polite. I really like that. The culture down here is really nice. There you go. Yep. Yeah. So if someone from Georgia were to go to Washington, everyone would seem a little more standoffish, you think? Or Depends on what part of the state you went to, probably. There's parts gotcha. that, are, that are similar with that, but parts that aren't so much. Gotcha. Yeah. I've heard one theory on that. People talk about, uh, you know, people from like the Southern United States being friendlier than people from um, Northern parts or like the Pacific Northwest, right? From where you're from. Um, 
And one person, I, I don't know how much merit there actually is to this, but there was some sort of like theory about it's climate related. Like say, for example, you take Atlanta versus Boston. When you say you're in like the late 1800s and you live in Massachusetts, you don't have like, especially in the winter, a lot of like productive hours in the day. So you got to get up and you got to get stuff done. And, you know, there might be a lot of people living in Massachusetts, but you can't let that stand in the way of the stuff you need to get done because it's cold and not very fun to be out and about. And you just got to get all this knocked out. Whereas you live in, you know, central Georgia, climate's a little more um, accommodating for being outside. If anything is too an extreme, it's too hot, right? So then yeah. you just kind of hang out in the middle part of the day and no one really gets in a rush to do anything. Cause like in the winter, the days are still longer and the climate's more mild and stuff. And so that's why, uh, that's why people tend to be friendlier in warmer climates. And that was their whole social theory. And I don't know if there's that really tracks, but I've heard that argument before. Yeah, I've heard it too. Yeah. yeah. Here on Google, it's saying the same thing. It says, um, People from regions with an average temperature close to 72 degrees tend to be more agreeable, conscientious, and emotionally stable. So, I don't know. The way it's been feeling here lately, I don't think our average temperature is close to 72 degrees. I think it's closer to, like, what do you think, 105 maybe? (laughs) Hot. Pretty hot. Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. It's been monsoon season up here. We've just been getting rain after rain. But that's okay. We needed it. We had a pretty dry first half of july for the most part how's your grass you have a lot of grass yeah doing good we were i would say probably that it's supposed to rain more this week i think by the end of this week we'll be like back on schedule for the summer yeah um but like for example the horses i have i keep all my client horses together in one herd and i've got three little pastures that i rotate them between and uh, I, we were needing rain. I was worried about having to feed some hay, but luckily we got enough rain that I don't think I'm going to have to feed any right now. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, we're going to work cows. It's either the second, probably the second weekend of August. Mm-hmm. It's like two weeks from now. We're just going to give scour shots and stuff, but you're always invited, as you know. But I know that's a long drive for you. Hopefully, yeah. we're trying to get Alex Avery to come down and see us. Hang out. Oh yeah, I talked to him the other day. Yeah, and uh, come down, he, hang out, and bring his little girl. Yeah, yeah. He's still over. Um, Augusta, Augusta. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But Good deal. yeah, I think he uh, he might have some new things coming up, so we'll see. But so far, he's still in Augusta. Awesome. Yeah. But shoot, yeah. So when you first got down here, how soon? After you got here, did we go to the Crazy Bowl? Oh man, you remember that? Yeah, it was. It was that the first two months are kind of a blur. They all kind of melded together, but I feel like it was within three weeks. It was early on. I thought it was pretty pretty early because the year is blurred. Yeah, fast. I mean, it it went. Yeah. Oh, it went really quick. Yeah. Yeah. It went quick. Really quick. Yeah, we had fun, Joe. We've never taken there, but I don't even know. Was it your idea? Whose idea was it to it was, go there? You you knew about it, and then I don't remember how it came up, but one night I remember 
Bill was out of town, so we didn't have anything going on, and we went there on like a Saturday. Oh, I know who told me. Uh, Trey from Yancey Cat. Because huh. I was new here, too, and I was asking about bars and fun places to go. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, yeah, you ought to go to the Crazy Bowl. They've got a bucking bowl in there. Yeah. But, yeah, I took Dylan down there. Oh, man, that was a that was one of the best nights we probably had oh, here as far awesome. as, like, partying and coming home at, like, 3.30, 4 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> like, lit night. it up. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, this is awesome. We're yeah. going to do this a bunch because I had been here by myself for a while. <laughs> and, like, sadly, we're going to go out, man, one more time before he leaves. We'll go hit the crazy bowl. We'll shut Good. that sucker down. But That's what we did last time. Yeah. Oh, Can yeah, we were there till the end. Huh? Do you have a date when you're leaving? I'm leaving the ranch on the 12th. Okay. August gotcha. 12th. Yeah. Yeah, we shut that place down when we came out the front door. There was an yeah. F-150 from the police department, and it had yeah. about eight guys from the SWAT team sitting in the bed of the pickup just cool. hanging out. I don't know if they are waiting for somebody or that was just the liveliness of our party was causing that kind of <laughs> suspect interest. But, gosh, they were waiting for something. Did, um, did you ride the bull, Dylan? Oh, yeah, I rode it. I yeah. wrote. I rubbed my the insides of my legs raw. <laughs> I wrote it so many times. He was a champion, man. <laughs> oh, like so I was over back there for to a while. the well a couple of times. Oh yes, over ten. He hogged that thing. He was like almost rude for a guy from Washington who's polite. He was like rude about riding that thing. <laughs> I, I didn't want to stop. It was so cool. Yeah. Had yeah, you ever was, ridden a mechanical bull before? Never. Never ever, and you get bucked off every single time. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. guy can see to it. Yeah. He has like controls that yeah. make that thing do he'll, magical he'll stuff. Off. Yeah, yeah. Dylan did me dirty near the <laughs> beginning of the night. Cause like we went in there and there was some guy that was like a knockoff, you know, Cody Johnson. Yep. And he's like singing and it was, it was fun. You know, we're hanging out, checking out. It's the local crowd. Like if anyone's ever been to Georgia, you know what like a Georgia guy looks like in his Costa sunglasses and his duck shirt. And you know, that's the crowd. And they've got their girl out on the night on the town and um but we're like let's go ride that thing so i'm not even paying attention and he told the guy that was running that bowl that i had my prca card and that's kind of like how i make a living and um so he's like all right buddy you're up and i signed a little waiver and i hop on there <laughs> and i i held on but you know i wasn't expecting tons we had been watching these girls ride it so i'm like hey this will be fun and that guy <laughs> he starts putting it into a spin and kind of dips the head Spins it, spins it, and then just snaps it in the opposite direction. And it jacked my neck up so bad. I mean, I, I think bad. I felt that for a week. I feel and, so bad. And Dylan, but at the time, he thought it was pretty funny. And then he told me later on. He was like, yeah, I told that guy. And uh, But shoot, but what we realized is that the covering on that bowl was coming off. So you know how we ride Colts? You grab your night latch, and then you can grab the, the Cheyenne roll on your saddle. Yeah, but we figured out that you could grab the little rope that came out of like the withers on this bowl, and then you could grab a big old hunk of that material from behind you that was coming off. And if you did that, you could really suck in there and ride that thing. And that guy had a hard time kicking us off. Oh yeah, and we both did it. And then near the end, I think it was Dylan did it, and like the whole hunk of material came off in his hand. Yeah, I then the guy kind of yelled at him a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> I handed it to him though. I gave it back. It was oh, so unfair. That's though. mighty kind of you. <laughs> oh man, like these girls would get on there, doubled up, even tripled up. I think yeah. a few times. A lot of them, and they would just rock that thing real gentle, and he would just dump them off, and then one of us would get on there. And I think I only rode it maybe three times that night, but he would whip you off there fast. Yeah. Well, it's good business for the bar to have 
some, you know, little girl up there going back and forth, having a good time or whatever. Yeah. That's a, that adds a lot more to the ambiance than one of you goons getting up there and trying to ride that thing. Yeah. Riding it. Like there's a paycheck at the other end of that ride. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Giving it all she's worth. Oh man. Do they have anything like that in Washington? Any bars with the bucking bowl? I heard there's one in Seattle, but I've never been there. I'd like to check it out. Yeah. There has to be at least one bar with a bucking bowl in Seattle. I'll find it. Yeah. I'd like to come with you to tell them that you have a PC PRCA card. You can. Yeah. The only time I've, I've ridden a mechanical bull a couple times, but the only one that was like in a bar setting was in Nashville. There was a bar there called the thirsty beaver. That's got a mechanical bull in it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that place is wild. That that's probably like the most fun, like bar I've ever been to. Yeah. Yeah. But that thing was so much different than riding a horse. And like we talked about it that night, if they could get that thing where it had a pivot on the front and the back, like they could really hurt you because with that bull, like you could get your neck jacked up like I did because it's spinning you one way and then slamming you the other way. But either you hold on like way too tight, like an idiot, probably like I did and you get jacked up or you come off and it's not that bad. But if they could get that thing where both ends could kind of jump, you know, like, like a horse does. So you had a front and a hind and you could mm-hmm. move them independently. You could really get somebody. Um, yeah. Ooh, boy, that yeah. would hurt. Well, I mean, you watch those, you know, rodeo, uh, those rodeo videos and the, the bulls, like even the PBR bulls, there's not near the action in the front that like a saddle bronc horse has, Yeah, you know? So if it's a mechanical bull, opposed to a mechanical bronc it's probably not a hundred percent accurate obviously but it's probably more true to like what it would be like to sit on a a bucking bull because they don't really have that action in the front end like a lot of horses do yeah i think there's a whole there's a whole um association where they ride those things right yeah yeah Yeah, they have like a national finals and everything yeah mechanical bulls mechanical bulls yeah i'll be yeah, it's like the next step up from being like an urban cowboy is you get to ride the mechanical bull. Huh. Yeah. You don't get dirty that way. It's it's nicer. Yeah. You might rumple your hair a little bit or something. Or Yeah. Don't get stomped. Some girl might steal your hat, but it'd be all right. <laughs> hey, let's use the rest of this ice right now. Okay. Hey, we're we're going to water up dad here. As long as it's somewhat cool whiskey. I think we're going to finish off this quiet man tonight. Oh, the quiet man. Nice. Yep. It's good stuff. We were talking about it. It's like a little better than Jameson, I think. Yeah. Well, like Jameson's smooth. You can drink Jameson for breakfast, but this stuff is, um. there's a little more to it. You can sip this and enjoy it. Yeah, I get that. That's kind of why I like this oh, IP yeah. like I don't like this IPA. Yeah. But I enjoy the fact that it kind of slows me down a little bit, if that makes sense. It's a meal almost. It's like yeah, uh, exactly. As opposed oh, yeah. to if you have like a corona or a Bud Light, you just drink them like water. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's five, six beer bottles sitting there. That's like those Guinness extra stouts, like the creamy ones. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, that's good. That's the one I threw out of the car with Bill that time. 
Oh, has that? Yeah, it was, boy, that was, that's a good beer. It's like a, it's like having supper. Yeah, it's like drinking a loaf of bread is what it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, got to watch that then. But, like in light of that buck and bull, though, like have you been on something that would toss you that hard or felt? No, I haven't. I've, I've never been. Well, well like I a mean, horse, I guess that wasn't that hard. Like, like compared to a horse, a, there was the the foam there. But I got thrown pretty hard when I was a kid one time. Yeah. And it, it felt harder than landing on that foam. Or like a horse that you're climbing on it and you know already. Like you don't want to think about that. But oh, you yeah. know already that yeah. that thing's going to throw you off. It's just a matter of time. Going to throw you off or you don't want any peace of it if it throws you off? <sighs> no, no like, it, like it could throw you off. Yeah. Like any horse could throw you yeah. off theoretically. Yeah. Like it's going to throw you off. Like that bull. When you get on there, oh yeah, that guy's operating it and he can evict you. And like, yeah. have you climbed on a horse where you're like, I'm working through this, and you know, maybe like before you were onto the horsemanship as much, uh-huh. and you're like, Well, I'm gonna keep getting on it till I ride it out, but I know this time it's gonna buck me off after you know five jumps. When I was a kid, like I thought, you know, getting bucked off was part of it, but I've had some horses that I thought like this thing bucks, I don't want to ride like some thoroughbreds, real athletic thoroughbreds but i haven't really thought about like i try to stay positive like i'm not gonna get bucked off i'm not gonna get bucked off yeah yeah but if the, do, i think that's how you have to do it you can't be putting that bad energy out into the universe just to come right back at you ben no no but but like before i guess you'd call it the saving grace of, of good horsemanship like did you spend a lot of time wallering in that where you were trying to ride horses or do stuff and yeah. just being like like i know Probably all three of us are more frustrated than we've ever been, mm-hmm. and that's because we, because we know things. So now we're holding ourselves to something. But like, I bet you were frustrated because you didn't know, yeah, what to do. Yeah, for sure. I definitely had some times where I was like, "This thing could hurt me, and I don't know what to do, how to prevent it." Yeah, yeah. Had that. Like, did your because your granddad was that kind of the horse person? Like, who was the first horse person in your life? My grandpa, yeah, he he was into horses. He had quarter horses he bred and and raised and stuff. And he'd buy some horses from the auction and got us some ponies to start and fiddle around with. He was real rough and tough and old school with them, though. So I got to be around that some. Good exposure. Was there anything he taught you that, like, was legit that actually helped you? He left me alone a lot. It was good. So I didn't get as much exposure to him as I would have if he would have... uh, micromanaged me. He taught me a lot of what not to do. <laughs> Sometimes that's a good teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, it can come from different places, but whether it comes from a good place or not, I think there's a lot to that of letting kids kind of have free reign over m- messing with their horses, you know? I think you could, he could have killed your interest in horses really quickly if he had tried to micromanage you in any sort of way, don't you think? Yeah. 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 We got a lot of freedom, me and my cousin, when we were kids with the horses. He wound up getting out of it because he kept getting hurt. But I I was really into it. It wasn't really his thing. He was just kind of there and had to be a part of it. We had a lot of fun. What attracted you to horses? From the beginning, because there's not a lot of guys our age that are really into it. 
the way we are. I don't really know. Like my mom said that I was always interested in horses as a little kid before I got to be around my grandpa. I was real scared of him till I was, I was still scared of him when I got to hang out with him because he was real big, six, six foot six, thin guy, wore a cowboy hat, just a monster, had hands the size of catcher's mitts, real big guy. But I really got into it like serious about it when I started hanging out with him. Yeah. But you, you, if you, if you had to articulate what drew you to horses, take a whack at it. Like what about them? Yeah. Like why, why were you like, I want to get on a horse as opposed to, I want to go play baseball or I want to go ride dirt bikes or I want to, you know, guide elk hunts or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Probably depending the on how someone comes up, they have lots of options, but you picked horses. Yeah. Probably the freedom with horses and, and getting to work with something that has a mind. That's kind of a puzzle. It's interesting. And they're all different. Like a dirt bike is kind of a dirt bike. They're all kind of the same. Some have more power or less or, but horses are all pretty different. So they're, they're interesting. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Oh, my interest in horses. Do you remember, like, as a little kid, what drew you to them? Hmm. You know, I had a friend, and he really liked horses. And I really respected my friend. I was seven years old, and I really respected him. That is the first time I remember thinking about horses as something to do or to be around. I hadn't really been around horses before then. I just knew what a horse was, but it wasn't something I thought about. And being around him and he talked about horses, I think his dad was from Texas. And so, you know, anyone from Texas tends to have these old stories about how great they were on a horse. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I think because I loved my friend and we got along really well. I respected him. He was a couple years older than me. And um, it that kind of got horses in my mind. And then more and more over the years, I managed to have some ex exposure to them. Uh, my dad knew a farrier. We would hang out with him every now and then, go on the road with him for a couple of days. We had another friend who had a team of Percherons. And then later on, we got a pony. And then when I was about 13, I started helping out at a horse farm. So things just kind of compounded. Um, but there was something inside of me that liked him and, and then, uh, more and more, it, I just recognized it was something I wanted to do and I loved it. But my earliest memory is my friend. He liked horses and I liked him and, um, respected him and just wanted to be like him. Awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for – I have not thought about that. Really, I haven't. I haven't really thought about that in probably years. Yeah. No, I um, I just think about it because there's not a lot of um, – especially guys like us, like our age, we are the vast minority in the horse industry, I would say. So it's always interesting when you have – guys like you that I would consider peers, you know, what drew you to horses 
because there's a lot of other things that might draw a young man's interest besides horses. Yeah. What about you? Was there a moment when, because I know you were exposed to it a lot. It was part of your life, I'm sure. But like, did you feel like you had to make a decision at one point? A decision? Like how? Yeah, like to do horses versus something else. Or even like maybe at one point you thought you were going to do something else and do horses as a hobby. But like a decision to even be interested to go, you know, I want to, I want to allot some of the time in my life to, to pursue horses in some way. Yeah. I, so I pretty much grew up, like you said, just always had horses. You know, we always had a bunch of horses around and I always had ponies or horses to ride or whatever. And when I got a little bigger, I pretty much had. I was decently mounted, but I kind of had, you know, the, whatever the bottom of the barrel from, you know, the other kids in town, what they couldn't, um, didn't really want to mess with. So we ended up with that. Um, and then honestly, I took what I would consider a big break from horses through my high school years from like 14 to 17. and. I stopped, um, you know, before that I was like showing with horses and, you know, really, um, helping out on the farm a lot on horseback and stuff. And, um, then in high school, I just pursued other sports and, um, I wanted to, you know, do track and field cause that's what all my friends were doing. So I pursued that very, uh, vigorously all through high school and then, Um, when I got ready to go to college, you know, track and field, that was kind of the end of the line with that. And I kind of rekindled that love of horses and started to pursue that. Um, probably when I was like 18, like the summer before I went to college, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get back into horses again. And then, you know, that, that year I joined the, um, the hunt, hunt seat team and the polo team. And so I was riding horses a lot again. Hmm. So like, was there a point Dylan, like when somebody, cause you had your granddad, but then was there a point where somebody came into your life that exposed you to this horsemanship or did you pursue it? I pursued it. Yeah. Yeah. I wound up getting, I was really interested in it, but, I uh, I kind of had to go out and seek it out to find somebody to get around. What caused you to do that? Uh, I worked in an auto body shop when I was a teenager, but I, I figured I'd either join the military and retire and then buy horses, you know, because you had to make money. I didn't realize you could make money with horses. Or I would uh, just go out and do something that involved horses, like work on a farm or a ranch or something. So like I got hired on at a place and then they let me start working with some horses and stuff. And then, uh, I wound up meeting Joel through, uh, going to some Buck Brandman clinics and, and that really helped me kind of along the way. Hmm. Yeah. It seems everybody has a kind of an in into this, but it's kind of unique for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty awesome. You met someone like Joel though. Yeah. yeah. That, that is the um, guy to stumble onto. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was pretty cool. So, you know, it seems to me he has had a pretty big impact on you and shaping your life. You want to talk about like when you first met Joel and when you decided, yeah, talk about the first time you ever met Joel. Yeah. That's a funny story. Cause I, I don't know. I mean, he knows, but, uh, so I, I went and I, I wanted help with rope and, and, uh, the, the clinic sponsor there at Ellensburg told me we'll talk to Joel Connor. And, uh, he was riding around in the clinic and at the end of the clinic, he started to come over to me and somebody kind of stopped him to talk to him, some people he knew. And I was like, this is it. And I just took off. So I was, I was scared to talk to him. And he sent me a friend request on Facebook and we started talking and I went out to his place maybe a week or two later, something like that. And we roped together and, and then we've just kind of stayed in touch ever since I've hung around him quite a bit. So without social media, your horsemanship career would have been completely stunted. Oh yeah. I'd have blown that one up for myself being shy and scared. <laughs> there you go, Ben. Yeah. That's I know. Evil technology at work. Terrible. <laughs> evil. Yep. Wicked. That's how I met Joel too, though. Through social media. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that I met him in person, but oh. he knew who I was already. All through social media. He may media. not have came up to me if it hadn't been for social media. So well, that's how I found out about you. Probably back in 2016, <laughs> 17, somewhere like that. Yeah. I was in Colorado. Yeah. Well, and that's what Joel said to me. Uh-huh. Because he said, um, there's this Dylan Palm guy, and I think you're friends with him on Facebook, so just contact him. Huh. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I probably am. I, I don't know him, but uh-huh. I'll, I'll look him up. Yeah. That's how I knew about Ben, too. He was all over my, like, Instagram suggested stuff. <laughs> He's a big Instagrammer. Big Instagrammer. He was, man. Hey, you got to take the things you're afraid of and grab them by the you know, by the horns and uh, give it a whirl. Well, we got a, our first sets of Armidas at about the same time. I think we did. I remember that, yeah. Cause was I before you? I don't remember if you were before me. I know I got mine in November of 2017. That was still at a time where I didn't understand, like, how custom some of this stuff was, and I'd get really disappointed when I'd call these guys. Like, I talked to Carlos, and i get the whole thing figured out and go through the order, and I'm excited, and he goes, all right, that's great. Um, just send me your deposit. And this is like in maybe April. He goes, and we'll have those done around September. And I remember just this sinking feeling like, son of a buck. I thought you were going to say that would be done in like 30 days. I guess I'd been buying junky tack before then, but yeah. Like I had a saddle built by that guy. Have you guys heard of um, FX Saddlery? Yeah. Have you seen him, Joe? I have. He's, he's. I don't know. You'd find him online if you're looking for a cheap wade, but he's up in Pennsylvania. Kenneth bought a saddle from him and he's since sold that and then bought another one, sold that one too. And now has Chaz Weldon. But okay, I got one from FX salary. He had that thing done in three months, but again, I don't have that saddle anymore. So that says something. Mm-hmm. And that saddle, I tore the seat off that saddle and recarved the ground seat, recut the skirt. I mean, I did so much work to that saddle because I was unpleased with it. So, I guess that three-month wait time, there's something to that. Yeah, no kidding. So, now when you call, like, Dave Thornbury and you order a pair of shaps and he says, you know, 
it's April and he says that'll be October, November. You're like, right on, man. That's a, uh, and I appreciate you being that quick. Yeah. Well, oh, those guys, that. yeah, it's the amount of time it takes, but it's also the line they've got in front of you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I was lucky. I got a saddle from Kerry Schwartz and I think he had that done inside of a year, but yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Old Billy money for that, but. I think he's normally what three or four years out. Yeah, when I talked to him, he was like eighteen months. Was he? Hey, have you got a saddle set up with Chaz yet? Yeah, I've had. You a do right? Set up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, you were right before be, me. You were right before me. Yeah, I was going to say I've had one set up before you did. Yeah, yeah, but that was that funny thing. See, I'm still messed up with that because when I talked to him, and I said, "Yeah, I think you know a friend of mine, Joe McDonald," and he goes, "No, I don't think I've heard from him." And we went through this whole thing, and I'm telling you, man, I did my best job to describe to him what you look like, what you sounded like, where you live. Well, lived, he's never seen The me. saddle you got. Yeah, but I did that anyway. And um, I went through the whole whole shabil, and he's like, yeah, no, I, that guy, tell him if you talk to him, he should call me. <laughs> well, it was funny because, like, the next day he called me, and he was like, hey, I'm just waiting to hear back from you. And I was like. Well, you know, Chad, we, because honest to God, like I remember it because he really kind of set me back quite a bit that day on riding horses. <laughs> I sat and talked to him for like two hours and like hashed out, you know, saddles and like all this other stuff we were talking about. But yeah, in my mind, it was kind of hashed. And he was like, hold on, let me look at my notes. And then, you know, I guess he just wasn't, uh, didn't have it organized like he thought or whatever was going on, but he's like, Oh no, you're good. Yeah. 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 So we'll buy your tree on this date. And then I'm going to call you on this date. So I can get the saddle done by this date. And I was like, that sounds good. Hopefully we can stick to that itinerary. Yeah. Yeah. But he seems like such a great guy, but Oh, he's awesome to talk to, man. I could, like I said, it was a real problem because I just wanted to keep talking to him instead of doing my job. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that's a good example of yeah, tack taking a little while, but I, I don't. He's not going to take that long though, which is great. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get one from him. Yeah, you ought to. Yeah, our friend Kenneth got one, and man, his saddle looks great. And I kind of, I kind of used Kenneth a little bit because, um, you know, I'd never got a saddle from Chaz, so I just he was looking for a saddle maker, and I said, hey, you ought to get one from Chaz Wilden, and he did it. And then my ulterior motive was like, I want to see the saddle you get. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. But you try it out first. Man, I would like to ride in that saddle, though. Yeah. I have to bribe him to come down here and bring it with him. Yeah. I've been trying to get him to come over and ride with me, and he hasn't done that. So if he won't make the trip to me, he might be hard-pressed to make the trip down to Georgia. Yeah. What's the first saddle you got? It was a... Uh... Like the first Wade saddle I got? No, just ever. Like first one you bought, oh, paid for. Oh, then it would be my Wade. Yeah. Because uh, I had a I had a saddle when I was a kid. I couldn't tell you who made it. Just yeah, you just used it. Was, it was yeah, it was it was some kind of kid saddle and it was it, it seemed okay at the time. Uh but the first one I bought was a uh Colorado saddlery Northwest Buckaroo. And it had the the shovel panel, just like the one I got now with the uh Pencil roll on the top and it had a post horn. It was actually a nice saddle. It had a really nice seat in it. I regret selling it. 
Mm. But I think sounds bungee. Two grand for it or something like that. It wasn't the most expensive saddle, but I was pretty proud of it. I put a Freckers rope strap on there and a bunch of conchos, horn wrap. You got that new from them? No, I got it used from uh, K&S Saddlery in Spanaway. Oh, okay. Nice. What yeah. about you? <sighs> the first one I got that I bought was a piece of junk. I got, <laughs> I got it from this place in Texas. Um, what was that place called? I want to say it was called, like, it wasn't King Saddlery, because I know that's a good, well, King Ropes. That's a place. This that's place was called something. This place had a good name. Their saddles were junk. And I bought it. It was just an association rancher-style saddle. And I took that to Montana. And it was really funny because I, like, had an old saddle, but I wanted to have, like, a newer saddle that looked good. So I order this saddle, and I take it to Montana, and I show up the first day, and they're looking at me like some kind of a tin horn, you know, because I've got this brand-new saddle. Hadn't even been oiled, and it's junky. So it, it just looks like something off the set of Bonanza, you know. And they're like, what are you doing, you know? And then what's real funny is they put me on this horse that was so tall. And then my saddle probably didn't fit very well. So it sat up really high. So when we went to load the horse on the trailer to ride out to where we were going, it didn't even fit. <laughs> so we had to pull my saddle off and like lay it on the flatbed. And I just remember I was getting really aware at that time because I hadn't been around like real legit cowboys. So I'm around these guys and right off the bat, I'm noticing their saddles and the tooling and the stitching and the just everything about them. And I'm looking at mine going like, man, I've been shafted. And then I paid like 500 bucks for that saddle brand new. And the first guy asked what he paid for his. And he said like 4,500. And I'm like, oh yeah, gosh, I've been, I've been had. So now like I've got the humiliation of my saddle, like sitting on the back of the flatbed. And like when we parked to ride, you know, I've got to go saddle my horse. and They're all watching me and probably nobody cared at all. But, like, I know I felt like everybody's eyes were on me as I'm throwing my piece of crap saddle up there and getting it strapped in place. And it squeaked like all get out. And I remember riding along, one of the guys saying, like, man, there's sure a lot of saddle squeaking going on. <laughs> but I, I just lived that that first uh, day we had off, I went and bought a big old jug of, uh, like, Neat's foot oil, mm -hmm. put it in a spray bottle, and I soaked that baby down. And yeah. it took care of some of the squeaking, but... That was my first saddle. When you guys were younger, did you ever like over oil your saddles and your tack? That saddle yeah. got over oiled. I've I've learned that the hard way. What's happened? I mean, I I know the the dangers of it, but did you have something happen? No, you could just tell like the fenders were getting stretched out. And the worst is I didn't even do this, but I was borrowing. Um, I I guess it was someone who worked for my dad had gone into hit my dad's tack room and oiled all the latigos and like way over oiled the latigo. So the latigo was like a spring. And when the latigo is like a spring, it's like impossible. If your horse doesn't have a good wither, it's impossible to like get the cinch good and secure on your horse. Right. Cause you just, you cinch them up and lock it. And then the latigo just stretches and it's loose again. And so it's almost like, it's like trying to cinch up with a rubber band. It's like impossible. 
Do you but, switch out your cinches a lot? Or are you riding a lot of horses with different girth right now? No, I've just got the one cinch. Well, okay. like one cinch per saddle, pretty much. Yeah. How many saddles do you run then? I've got, I mean, I only own two. Yeah. So I've got that one wade that was kind of like, you know, not a very good wade, but it gets me by. It's actually a good colt saddle because it's a little lighter than like the one Levi made for me. Um, but I would say probably 80, 70, 80% of my rides I'm doing in that uh, saddle Levi made for me. Yeah. I really like that saddle. I could ride forever in that thing. I happen. What do you, Dylan, what do you think about our wildlife here? Because it's funny, like when you first got here, you were looking for something to shoot. Yeah. And it took you a while. Oh, like I remember every now and then you'd still. be like, you know, I haven't shot my gun here yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first time, uh, no, I don't remember if you'd gotten armadillo or not, but I remember me and Robbie went out armadillo hunting one night, or we went pig hunting, but all we all we found was an armadillo. And you got it, right? Robbie got it, yeah. Yeah. Robbie shot it. And uh the wildlife here is it's really cool. Like the turkeys here are nothing like the turkeys. Like I lived in a place called uh Goldendale, Washington, in the Columbia Gorge for a while. And uh the turkeys there are, are I mean, they're not gentle, but, like, they're pretty gentle compared to these. Like, I've walked through them before. These turkeys here, like, they see you from 100 yards away, and they're gone and can fly forever. Never seen a turkey fly that far. Did you grow up hunting? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I started hunting about the time I was eight. Started Mm -hmm. mule deer hunting. I only walked for the first few years, and then I think when I was about 11 or 12, that's when they said, okay, you can get a hunting license and carry a gun and, and hunt. How old were you the first gun you got? That was yours. First gun I got that was mine, I was probably 14. I bought a Rossi 20-gauge shotgun. It went off half the time you pulled the trigger. It had some <laughs> kind of defect with the firing pin. You had to find the right shells. The, the, the primer had to stick out so far, and that gun was junk. Oh, I hate that. There- that's There's like nothing more bird. infuriating. Yeah, than a gun that goes off every now and then. Yeah. Well, like, and, what, and what's the it's point, always, right? Yeah. There's no it's point. always cheap shotguns, it seems it like. Yeah. Well, or like, cheap lever actions. Like I've got a Mossberg oh, and it's a fake yeah. Winchester 3030. And that thing has been a piece of junk until yeah. I finally put a real Winchester um magazine spring in there with an actual mm-hmm. brass um magazine pusher. So, like, the one that comes from Mossberg is plastic, and it's all, like, rough, and then their spring is bad. So, that thing wouldn't even load a new bullet into the chamber. So, I got a bunch of aftermarket stuff, and it's brass, and now it runs great. But you shouldn't have to build your own gun. Yeah, so with fires. aftermarket parts. Exactly. <laughs> You're kind of SOL in a, I mean, heck, in a hunt. Yeah. Can't even yeah. follow up a shot. You might not even get the first shot. Well, I hunted yeah. black powder for quite a while, and that was cool because you'd have the same issue with black powder. Like, you'd have a hang fire, or it wouldn't go off at all, and that was more fun than anything. Like, But you're supposed I, to have those issues then. Yeah, yeah. And it was cool, though. I remember I shot at this big mule deer buck one time, and my gun had a hang fire, and I moved or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how far off I missed him, but it was a ways. But it was it was just as fun as if I'd have got him just the opportunity. And it was just so cool. 
to be hunting with primitive weapons like that. Yeah. Last fall was my first time doing black powder on the whitetail around here. And yeah, it's a whole different experience than rifle hunting. Do you have it any makes like, you really appreciate rifles. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any like real close encounters where things didn't work out? With like the black miss, powder? Yeah. yeah I've still anything? never killed oh, anything haven't even killed with a black powder gun. Because I remember you were like mowing deer down two years ago. Yeah. It would have been spring of 2020. We, I mean, we still have an infestation, but we had a real infestation. We, it, we got damaged tags and we killed probably 20, 20 deer in 10 days or something like that. Like, yeah, Man. it was, we, we rolled through them. How much deer meat do you have right now saved up? There's probably like a deer and a half in the freezer still. Pretty good. Yeah. You have like a specific deer meat freezer? Um, so at our machine shop, we've got three like horizontal freezers. And there's one of them and probably about half of it is filled with those deer. Because, I mean, a white-tailed deer, that's, that's not... You could, if you had to and you cut it the right way, you could fit it all in like a regular freezer you cut it up the right way and had a lot of burger and stuff because they're not they're not huge it's probably like you're probably getting like 40 pounds of meat dylan did you actually shoot anything since you've been here then like what all did you get got an armadillo you did yep i got one okay. right out here off of this deck that valentino oh, I remember yeah that valentino yeah. dug a hole through the deck and bill bill came up to me he was in here setting up a his music stuff and he said hey do you got a pistol and i was like yeah he goes well valentino's tearing up the deck get rid of that armadillo so i got him and then that hog we trapped and i think that's it I shot at a couple coyotes you almost got to shoot that possum that night on on the concrete oh yeah yeah that possum <laughs> that was awesome Man, i tell that story a lot that was great mm -hmm. did i ever send you that video joe i think you did yeah Send yeah. it to me because somehow that got lost. You deleted it or something, right? Maybe. Yeah, oh, I don't have it on my new phone, I don't think. I might have sent it to Helen. I'll ask her. But yeah, because it was funny. The funniest part to me is when I whacked it with Bill's five iron. Yeah. And then he's like, hey, wait, wait, where'd you get that golf club? I was like, oh, it was just over in the corner. And it was the one out of his new ping <laughs> golf set. It was like right in the back of his pickup. But hey, that thing needed to die. My so. favorite part was when he said, don't shoot it on the concrete, because I had my shotgun, and I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, don't, don't shoot it on the concrete. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> mm. But those little buggers are fierce. We were bringing, did we take that guy out to dinner that night? Yeah, he was with us. We were driving home from the Mexican restaurant, and there was that one on the road. Or oh, was it just yeah. the three of us, or did no, we have yeah, that yeah, guy, had, uh, Jesse, with yeah, us? Yeah, we had him with us, yeah. Yeah, and there was a big old fat armadillo crossing the road. And I missed it. I was going to try to hit it. Yeah. But those things, like for being kind of odd creatures, they're pretty nifty. Like they're fast. They're, like once they're, they're on, once they know you're me, onto man. them, they're gone. Yeah, they, they were new to me too, but I don't underestimate yeah. them. If you're going to shoot one, like get it done early. Don't, don't mess around. Because once they scoot, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way 
about everything I hunt. Well, like I've been coyotes, burned too many times, man. Like coyotes or foxes, like a lot of times, you can let them jog a little ways and let them jog until you like where you're going to shoot at, and then mm-hmm. whistle at them. Yeah, and they'll get stopped, and then you mm-hmm. have about a two and a half second window. But not an armadillo. I don't think they hear. I don't think they care if you whistle or not. They're gone. Yeah, yeah. I don't. No, I don't either. think they. I can't yeah, imagine they process the same way a canine does. Not important to them. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're operating all on instinct. There's no problem solving going on in an armadillos. Not yeah. a bit. Mm. They they are crazy though, man. I can always tell I'm getting close when I'm driving down to you guys. It's like anytime I get west of Augusta, that's when you start seeing armadillos on the side of 20, you know, getting hit on the interstate. Yeah. They dig a lot of holes out here. Yeah. Everywhere there's holes. It's like like the worst aspects of groundhogs and possums. Yeah. All rolled into a shell. Like that's what armadillos are. They're a real nuisance. Yeah. Absolutely. What are you guys shooting up there, Joe? I mean, you got anything like an armadillo? Anything, any kind of like little thing? Groundhogs. We don't have those here. We, man, we get tore up with groundhogs um i've also got like a pigeon infestation in my barn right now i'm gonna have to address that at some point but no the groundhogs are crazy and then you're like going into town to like the grocery store today it's funny like if we see a groundhog on the farm you'll look at him and he'll like he'll glance at you and he'll he'll he's gone right um but yeah they're they're a big problem around here i remember even as a kid learning to drive and stuff, even your driver's ed teacher would be like, well, if you see a groundhog, you know, that's the one time you can't swerve because you want to try to kill as many of those as you can. You want to try to hit the groundhog in the road. Um, But then you go into town by the grocery store and there's this big, you know, pretty hill full of green gas. And there's like three groundhogs just sitting up there watching people go into the grocery store. So those town groundhogs, they're, they're pretty broke to people. They're not too worried about everyone walking back and forth. And then you drive out a little ways, you know, and we're not even that far from town, but the groundhogs around here, they're pretty leery of people. Have you ever shot ground squirrels? Ground squirrel? Like, like prairie out, dog? Uh, yeah, out west. Yeah, but the thing is about prairie dogs is they're not all prairie dogs. Some of them are Wyoming ground squirrels. Some of them are... um. Robertson ground squirrels. Some of them are prairie dogs. There's a bunch, but like typically the smaller ones you see are just kind of ground squirrels. Yeah, they call them grave diggers where I'm from. Yeah, and they're endangered in the state. They're of endangered in yeah. Washington. They're endangered in the state of Washington. Well, like come to think of it, in Colorado, you needed a small game license to hunt them if you were going to do something with them. But like, what are you going to do with a ground, you know, a ground squirrel, right? But if you were shooting them as pests. The law is you have to shoot them and then leave the body. You can't touch the body. But, I mean, we never yeah. had an inkling to touch them anyway. That's, um, we did do some population control uh, on the kangaroos when I was living in Australia. And they kind of did like a similar thing where they just left, like you had to leave the body there. Um, But I remember like, Man, you'd go out, at, like you talk about an infestation. You go out at night with the spotlight, 
And it wouldn't be anything to see like a hundred, 150 kangaroos just sitting there grazing in the pasture next to the cows. Holy cow. You've never seen so many animals in one place. What does kangaroo taste like? Assuming you've tasted it. I've never eaten it. Really? You didn't ever eat kangaroo the whole time you were down there? Mm-mm. Um, from what I've been told, it's a pretty, I, like you can, like there's kangaroo farms, kind of how there's like deer farms here and you can get like captive kangaroo, domesticated kangaroo. Um, but no, I, I never ate it. And, uh, I think they're pretty wormy animals by nature. Like you can, uh, one of my friends said, if you were to cut into those kangaroo that you shoot, you go up, you could see like cysts in the meat from how wormy they were. And so they're not great, not great for eating is what I kind of gathered from it. Yeah. That doesn't exactly promote, promote one to eat in those things. I, I mean, if you hang out out around them enough man they they are just kind of like big hopping rats is what they are (laughs) like they're they're cool and i'm not like discounting kangaroo but like you you watch them and you just see their mannerisms and stuff and it it is more like a it's like a cross between a groundhog and a deer is kind of how i would equate it did you get to see any of those really jacked ones no so i was kind of in the like like southeast and those are all up north kind of in the outback where not a lot of people live so they have like the southern kangaroos are are the smaller uh brown uh species which i can't remember the name of them and then the big reds are up north and i i might have saw a couple like when we went to the zoo or something but i never saw them just out and about because you'd have to my understanding was you'd have to drive a pretty fair ways away from civilization to get to a place where they hang out. Hmm. But they are wild. Everyone seems to have a kangaroo story or two. Yeah, I'd like to. I would try it. If somebody had it. Oh, I'd try I'd it. I'd like to try it. You know what? I, was, I mean, And it wasn't that crazy, but um, we did go up uh, when we were up in the northern part by like the Great Barrier Reef. We went to the world's largest crocodile farm. And that was crazy because you've never seen so many like big reptiles in one place, you know, and they're literally there farming these crocodiles for, uh, for the four B's of crocodile farming, which are belts, burgers, boots, and bags. So, um, yeah, they like they farm them all, and then you know, kind of like cattle. Um, well, it's super interesting with reptiles like turtles and crocodiles and stuff. They can control the gender by what temperature the egg incubates at. So, like ninety five percent are all males, is what they're um, raising there because they just incubate all the eggs at a certain temperature to make sure they get all males. And then they kill them before they, so that they're at like a certain size, but before they get aggressive enough that they're like beating up on each other too bad. And then um, from there, you know, they basically sell them for their meat 
and and their hides, which is worth way more than the meat is. But it it's a pretty wild production to see that crocodile farming because I think they had, I mean, they easily had like nine hundred, you know, like the equivalent of like nine hundred steers or whatever, but nine hundred like um, male crocs just growing, getting ready for slaughter. Do they have a term for a male croc? I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Did you have one of those burgers while you were down there? Yeah, they're really good. Have you ever had alligator? I mean, it, no. it's not surprising. It tastes a lot like alligator, but it's really good, I thought. What, like, is it similar to something? It's like pork. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's a like a pork-fish hybrid. Yeah. That's, That's the best way I could describe it. Yeah, they call a male crocodile a tom or a tomcat. Or a, go. a gib, G-I-B. Hmm. I assume that's a gib. So gib. Yeah. I'm going with Tomcat. Big yeah. old Tomcat, yeah. Well, they, and they're all just like lined out there, man. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've never seen so many <laughs> reptiles in one place in my entire life. What do they feed them? Um, just kind of like what seemed like the equivalent of chum. Just kind of your you know, whatever sort of sea, like the parts of seafood that aren't, that people don't eat, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're right there next to the ocean. They're probably like 10, 15 minutes from the coast up there. Yeah. That's a, it was a long time ago, so I don't remember it all exactly, but it was, it wasn't, I still have a belt from there actually. Do you got it in my room? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a totally foreign business to anything we have going on up here. Yeah, it was cool. Raising crocodiles. Yeah, my sister and her uh, boyfriend for a while, they were way into like exotic meats. And they'd go on these oh, websites yeah? and they'd order like giraffe and, you know, all kind of python and like anything you can get. You name it. They'd find it. They'd order it and cook it up. and It, it was giraffe. Weird. <laughs> giraffe. Who's out there like ranching giraffes? <laughs> I know somebody. Where are you getting giraffe meat from? There's a place. Uh, there's a place in eastern Washington down there. It'd be on the Washington side of the Columbia River, northwest of the Dalles, Oregon. Be the west best way to describe it. And they've got giraffes and uh, buffalo, some other kind of weird exotic kind of critters there and it's crazy they got giraffes there in a place that's so cold and they keep them there year round as far as i know i don't know hmm. a whole lot about it i'd like to go through there one of these days but they've got giraffes there i've been told you know what i like um when you go so about an hour and a half up the road from us there's a like a safari park deal so it's basically like you drive in across this cattle guard in your car and you're like before you go in you stop and you pay your ticket and you can buy buckets of feed and it's basically buckets full of like hay pellets and then you drive in and you roll your windows down and they've got like llamas emus ostriches water buffalo yaks zebras bison camels and but they're all just like running out and you go across a couple of cattle guards because they got some animals separated, you know, but you can just drive right up to an ostrich or whatever. And the ostrich comes and you hold up your bucket of feed 
and the ostrich grabs a bucket of feed from your car and you know eats out of the bucket and you pet the ostrich and then you just keep driving um and it's but they they don't have giraffes loose but they got a place for you to like go and see their giraffes but my understanding is their giraffes go somewhere to like georgia or alabama in the winter time they might do that there i'd be curious to know yeah they might bring them down here near us how many acres is that place on um I think like maybe 200, 300. Hmm. It's not, it's not huge, but it's, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty big outfit, but they always seem to draw a pretty big crowd. I, I really like, um, it's funny. They got those like Watusi cattle with the huge horns and they'll come up and try to get in your bucket. But, um, it, it's funny. Some of the animals, Actually, the elk are probably the smartest animals there that they've got because most of the animals will just go and eat a little bit out of your bucket. But the elk have got it figured out. If you like hold your bucket up to them, they don't try to reach in and grab the feed in the bucket. They just grab the side of the bucket and then try to rip it out of your hand so they get all the feed in the bucket. But for whatever reason, only the elk have that figured out. Like none of the other animals do that. So it, it was kind of funny. We, we just went there the other week cause Kaylee's had her surgery. Um, so we were looking for stuff, you know, since she's on crutches still, we were looking for stuff she could do that was, uh, you know, like from a car or whatever, where you could be sitting down. So we, we went and did that safari deal. Yeah. That's a good thing to do. Gosh, that sounds like most people's horses. That you yeah. get in, you know, they like rip the feed bucket out of your hand. That tells you a lot, like right off the bat, when a oh, horse gets yeah. in and like when you feed them for the first time, how that goes, you're like, aha, I'm on to you. Yeah. I know how the home life is. Yeah. Yeah. You, that, that, I always, always, that was like the best advice I've ever heard Buck say was packing the flag when you go to feed a group of horses that you're not super familiar with. You're just a big group of horses in general, but like those client horses, first day you go to feed them, always have that flag before you go into the pen because <laughs> you don't know if you're about to get mauled or not. I don't think I've ever heard him say that. That's great. I might do that. He, uh, it was that deal uh, just a little bit ago. I bet you heard it, Dylan. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. hearing him talk about it. We used to do that at a rescue that I that I worked at. We'd pack a flag with some horses when we'd feed them. Was this something on the Buck channel? No, I think it was that deal where he went on Instagram Live. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't about. watch much of that. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's it good advice. Um, just, just always packing a flag because even if, like, I'm, I'm a tall, I mean, you guys are, tall guys too it'd probably be even more intimidating for like a kid or someone a little shorter or something but all of a sudden you got you know six eight horses around you it's it's nice to have that flag kind of give you a fighting chance to walk around otherwise they'll just walk all over you yeah yeah it's like when you lead them for the first time too or like some people show up and they let you they'll get them off the trailer and then hand them to you 
and they're just like walking right over you, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You start start training on them right away. Right. And they never act like that at home. No, never. Of course not. Or there's a reason. Like, it's a new place. Or or maybe you don't understand the way they've trained that horse. He's mm. he's trained to uh, to clucks and, like, little kissing sounds. So if yeah. you don't understand that dialect, you're kind of up the creek. Yeah. You, you get any of that? Where, like, people will have a horse, and you, like, start riding it, and you're like, man, this thing is, you know, it's dull. And it's contemptuous and all these things. You got a whole list going, right? So you're working on some stuff and then you talk to the, the client and you don't really like hint at any of these major problems, but you're just like, yeah, I'm working on some things and he really needs to learn to move out and he's pretty braced up. So we're doing a lot of lateral flexion and, and, and they're like, oh yeah, well he, uh, he responds to clucking. You have to cluck. And, um, you know, like stuff like that. It's like they have all the answers. They're like, oh, you should have talked to me first. There's a book about this horse. Like you just didn't <laughs> read it. There's a lot of things you're probably missing. And you go, uh-huh. But I always want to be like, well, then why in the hell did you send him to me to ride? Like if he's so trained and there's a book on him, what's he doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I definitely, I definitely empathize with that, but. So far, in a professional capacity, I've been very fortunate with the clients I've had. They've kind of given me, you know, like, I, I tell them my opinion, and they're like, okay, well, yeah, I, I believe that. Um, but I have 100% seen what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, you can see it at clinics. Absolutely. You know? um, that's... The, oh, the and clinic scene seems uh, to attract people like that quite a bit. Yeah, where like you're paying money to go to someone's clinic, and then someone's trying to help you with the horse. And like, well, no, you know, you don't understand about this horse. It's like, okay, well, who whose clinic is it again? Am I, are, are we doing what I'm trying to say, or are you trying to tell everyone else how much you know? You know. Yeah, and and that's not even to run clients down. They're great. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of them, right up front, say, "Be honest with me. You know, let me know what you see, and don't sugarcoat it." But it's just a very human thing. I'm sure I do it about stuff too, where you just can't help but have a reason, or can't help but add a little something in there. Be like, "Yeah, I, but I did teach him this." You know, like, yeah, you just want to get yeah. a little little street cred, and so I don't fault him for that, but. It is humorous. It's it's funny because it's uh well it's obviously not built in there. Yeah, I I mean I think a lot of that is people grappling with themselves. Like it, it it's almost like the bargaining stage of admitting that they have a lot to learn. Where it's like, well yeah, that might be the case. But what about this and what about that, you know? Instead of just fully letting go and being because i mean I, i'm no better I, i'll do that about stuff like i think everyone does it when you're you're almost on the brink of just admitting to yourself i don't know anything about this subject and i need to just 
try to absorb as much as I can. And, but in the beginning, you might be like, well, well, I do this and that's good. And I do that. And that's good. And, and you're still just holding on to kind of these straws of pride you have. Um, but you know, like anything, I think that's natural and hopefully they work through that. Yeah, I think they do. But. Yeah. Cause the horse isn't going to lie about it. So yeah, it's just, you just want to feel like you had a, a part in the horse being better. And it's hard to just let that go. I mean, gosh, we talk about that here all the time. That's a big thing. And you feel like some days you've really let go. You've really just submitted to the journey and you're, you're on board. Your ego's quenched and you're like, man, I'm ready to learn. And then give yourself a couple days and it's like you need to go back for the reset. Like all of a sudden, you've let a bunch of stuff back in where you're trying to force stuff with a horse or you're trying to justify that you're right and he's just kind of a butthead or, you know. So that, that seems like a constant thing. And so it's interesting. And that's where you kind of learn from people that you ride horses for all the time because you see them do things and maybe it's not something you would do but it's uh it's still along the same lines of uh human tendencies that we have so yeah you know maybe we don't do it as much because we think about it all the time but we still do it it's still very much part of our our daily lives to to kind of want to have something going on with a horse and and want people to know about it (laughs) and want to be able you know be able to take a little credit yeah. For how he's doing. Yeah. hundred percent. So, all right, I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit, Dylan. So we talked about earlier, you got your mayor sold. That's pretty exciting. Um, and you know, I know you're moving back, so you're probably not in the horse market right away, but if, uh, if you were to go and and buy a horse tomorrow. Like someone, someone wrote you a blank check. Said, Dylan, go get the horse that you want. You know, that you want to have and to start and to be yours or, or whatever. Um, what kind of horse would you start looking for? I don't know. Uh, something that looks kind of ranchy. Something, something kind of stout. That's, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Something kind of stout. I'm not real like fourteen one on a good day, maybe. I like I like them little horses, but <laughs> no, uh, something something a little bigger than than Magic was, but uh, something kind of ranchy. I don't care if it's a quarter horse, Andalusian, thoroughbred, anything like that. Some, mm. I'm, I'm real fond of those driftwood bred horses they've got out west there. I like those Freylick horses. Yeah. Something kind of stout, something that yeah. can cover a lot of ground, like the bigger Freilich horses you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But probably something like a Driftwood, or there's some uh, uh, some horses that got some Poco Bueno in them that I'm interested in that are out there. My friend's got one of them. What do you like about Poco Bueno? It's mainly just from her horse because I don't really like. I'm an idiot when it comes to breeding and names and stuff. I I don't really. None of that means anything to me, really. I I know of some of the names, but I don't like I I don't care to really find out what any of it means because they're they're just horses. So, uh, right, 
I so agree I with you. Friend, I got a friend with one that, that I really like. So if that breeder's got some available, I'd be interested. Gotcha. And what um, Ben and I've talked about this in the past, would you get like a two-year-old or would you try to find something a little older, like four, like ready to go to work? Or Yeah, ideally it'd be something a little older that was unstarted, yeah. like four unstarted, maybe halter broke, something a little older. There's a thoroughbred that I'm pretty interested in, depending on if he goes to the track or not. But he's he's two or three now, something like that. Gotcha. I could get a hold of him. That'd be a horse. So you are in the horse market? Not currently, but I will be soon. Gotcha. Yep. Cool, man. Yeah, I always I always uh am very interested to hear people's opinions on, on just like what they like personally. I like thoroughbreds a lot. I do too. Yeah. I, the most of the quarter horses that I really like have a fair amount of thoroughbred in them. Yeah, me too. You'll just kind of start looking when you get home, though. I'll just kind of start looking, kind of casually, just kind of see what's out there. Yeah, somebody's got some some nice bred horses, something kind of stout, something something looks ranchy, punchy. <laughs> what do you think of these metallic cat horses? That I like has? them a lot. That that filly his CC, that's a cool horse. Kitty, that's a cool horse. Yeah. Yeah. I like those metallic cat horses. Yeah. A lot. There's something about them. Yeah. I mean, just the athleticism and the fire and to them. The fire. Yeah. And then the way Kitty's kind of touchy. Mm-hmm. Some of the others are pretty calm. Yeah. They bring a lot to the table. Yeah. Those are cool horses. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. I it's like it's Cap, neat though. being around them. Yeah. Cap. Yeah. Well, that blue Valentine. Like Cindy has a little of that in her, yeah, and it's uh, it's a little punchy. Yeah, she's a cool. They horse. got a little edge to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cindy's a cool horse. I like the way she's built more than Cap. I think. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd be a good one to get a foal out of, for sure. But yeah, I mean, shoot, you've been here a year and. It's been great having you here. It's been awesome. We've appreciated having you. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I know Bill's not here to say it, but I know he's loved having you here. And I've loved you being there. Yeah. I mean, shoot, Joe's been a part of your (laughs) life too, because he comes down here whenever he can. Well, I'll see you again, Joe. Heck yeah. Hey, yeah. He'll he'll come to the branding. He better. I'll be here. Get him down here. Yeah, I'll be here. Well, you're still yeah. supposed to braid me a McCarty. I'm just going to put am. that on your radar, yeah. too. I'm going to braid you a McCarty. <laughs> I asked him that the other day. I was like, hey, so when when you go back, you you still sticking with this braiding McCarty's thing? Yes. Yeah. We, we shouldn't really put this out here because I don't want to get like a bunch of people. Wanting Folks, nothing. you can find no Dylan one Palm on his podcast. Don't worry. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he braids McCarty's. Yeah. He does a great job. Very. very He's really fast. He gets them done in four or five days. <laughs> <laughs> free shipping free ship no no free shipping you'll <laughs> get them right to you but well so in the time you've been here anything really stood out to you anything major happened to you that oh man so that, many that's things. like your georgia experience so many things have happened yeah uh that's, i think a lot of different uh, times okay to be on the podcast that is Oh, no, all of them are okay to be on the podcast for the most part. Uh, only a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, just uh, it's been a lot of fun 
just the stuff I've learned and got to see and been around some people. And it's been a really good time. Uh, I think a lot about uh, right after I got here, we roped that heifer that had the wart on her eye in that trap over there. That was a lot of fun. Uh, the scours calves and all kind of different stuff we've done. It's hard to pick one thing. Yeah, for a while there, we were roping like 10 or 12 calves a day, weren't we? Yeah, we were roping a lot. Early on. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Man, that trip back was fun with you because you were just talking about, like, I know there's a lot of stuff you're interested in, especially in, like, the country music world. So when we got to Nashville and we were driving through there, and, like, I've driven through Nashville before and not thought twice about it, and we're uh-huh. driving through there, and he saw, is it Cannon Boulevard or Cannon? Oh, Franklin. Franklin. Franklin Road. Yeah. But there was a few roads. Oh, yeah. No, but you said Johnny Cash shot a cannon shot, off of Franklin Road. Yeah, we're like, we're going along there, and he's pointing stuff out. And I've never thought about it. Like, I've just driven through Nashville and kind of thought, well, shoot, traffic really sucks up here. And he's like <laughs> going, oh, man, Johnny Cash shot a cannon off of this yeah, bridge. I'm like in hog heaven. It was hilarious. It was really fun. And yeah. we, like, got stuck in Missouri. Like, we just had a whole yeah. adventure. Yeah. And it, I mean, shoot, if you're going to come to Georgia from Washington and not having been to the East Coast yet or the Midwest, that was a good trip, I that think. That was fun. Yeah. No, that was that – was, I'll never forget that. That was pretty cool. It was like Smokey and the Bandit or something. Yeah. <laughs> Eastbound and down. Yeah, and we were driving like hell, too. We were driving all night. Well, we left Ellensburg at like 5 o'clock that night. Yeah. And we drove to – did we stop in Boise or did we go all the way to, uh, you know, Denver? It would, no, it was somewhere in Idaho. We did then. Yeah, and then the next day that was place Denver. where the lady and the guy had they had that the horses back there. Yeah, the horse motel. Yeah, yeah he had a bunch of equipment and stuff yeah. back there. Yeah, yeah and then, then we, we got, got to Denver, Denver that night. Yeah, yeah, and then we stayed there a little while. Yep, got but, to see Craig and Megan and all them. Oh that yeah, that fun. was wild. Yeah, that was fun. That was what I wanted to ask you about just briefly was Craig because I know Craig was uh-huh. early on. Yeah, in stuff and like so, where did that come in? Was Craig one of the first people after you left your granddad? Well, he, he had passed away when I was 10. Yeah. So I had a little break from, he gave me a filly when he passed, and I had her for, I don't know, a year or two, something like that. And then uh, then she got sold. So I had a couple-year break in horses, and then I worked in the body shop, and then I went to work for Craig. And I got hired on as like a stable hand, kind of a ranch hand. I'd fix fence, do all kinds of different stuff, clean stalls. And then... uh more and more Craig got me riding and stuff. So I, I spent a lot of time around him. I worked there for five years with Craig. And he was a big influence for, uh, he got me turned on to the idea of like, because I was pretty ignorant, like the idea of timing and balance and stuff. I was like, what is that? I'm like, you just get on a horse and go somewhere. So he got me turned on to those ideas <laughs> that it was important to know, you know, where the feet were and, how you kind of sat on one. So he played a big role early on in that stuff. He helped me get a good seat when I was working there and gave me an understanding of timing. It was a great experience. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun meeting him, though. He's a cool guy. It's just neat. Like, I love traveling around because so many good things come to you. Like, we're approaching Denver, and then Dylan's like, yeah, I got a friend here just outside of Denver. Let me see if we can go have dinner with them. So... Here we are, like, meeting new people and having pizza with her and her husband, and Craig lives there, and we're seeing the barn, and we stayed till late that night, and then just people are really nice. Like, you just get around, and people are great. 
Like yeah. you'll meet new friends everywhere. Next thing you know, you're having dinner in somebody's house. You've never met them before. And yeah. you're watching a movie with them and telling them about your life. And people are great. Yeah. I really enjoy that part of traveling around. But. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a big surprise to me is how kind people are. Yeah. Not everybody, but there you meet people sometimes and you go, wow, that's, that's like a breath of fresh air. That person's really, really nice. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people have a, a certain armor that they carry. They have a certain front that they put up and they're just protective or, or they're lazy. I don't mean that in like a negative way against people, but people are kind of lazy. So a lot of people don't take initiative and just say hi or yeah. say, Hey, do you want to have a beard? Do you want to yeah. hang out? A lot of people are really lazy when it comes to relationships. Yeah. And so you just have to, you know, just be nice to them. Next thing you know, a lot of people are really neat. Yeah. So, but, but speaking of country music, so yeah, but that was fun. So we're traveling through Nashville, and that's when I first realized Dylan was kind of into country music. So on this podcast, <laughs> before we're done, I'd love to hear Dylan tell us what like your top. What do you think, Joe? How many should we give him? Should we should we do the Mount, Mount Rushmore? Yeah, Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. So what's your Mount Rushmore of country music artists? There's four in the Mount Rushmore, right? There is. <laughs> How's that Washington State education working out for you, Dylan? <laughs> well, I have to think about it because because when you guys were talking about Mount Rushmore on a previous episode, I was thinking about it, and I remember George Washington, Abe Lincoln, uh, Thomas Jefferson, and Theodore Roosevelt. Right? You got it. Yeah, that's the what? <laughs> <laughs> He's just giving me shit. <laughs> okay. So my top four country singers. Yeah, that's tough. It would number one would have to be George Jones. That's a toss-up between him and Hank Williams. But number one, and I'm talking about Hank Williams Sr. Number one would be George Jones. Possum. Yeah, the possum. I really like him. I'm fascinated by him and his life and and just the way he sang. And then Hank Williams would be second, Hank Williams Sr. Uh, third would be Waylon. And fourth would be probably Hank Jr., maybe... Yeah, Hank Jr. would be fourth. Oh, man. That's yeah. a pretty solid classic lineup, huh? I'd mm-hmm. hate to hear, have him hear that, but yeah, he'd be fourth. Shout out the Williams family. Yeah. Getting 50% of Dylan's Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you guys? Oh, oh shoot. man. Uh, you, you need to go first, Ben. Me? Yeah. Oh, I don't have these kinds of things prepared. So this All is. All right, well, this, then I'll just. Go ahead. Do it. Go ahead. No. Yeah, you have things to say. Son of a <laughs> so, we do this a lot. It, it's like a it's like a relationship, this podcast hosting thing. Yeah. And um gosh damn it. All when right. It's the funeral. <laughs> There'll be no funeral. Wait, if I what die, are you, what are Joe you talking about? And if Joe dies, I, meant, I will continue. I meant wedding. Oh. <laughs> hey, it's Wait. that Washington State education. They don't funerals, weddings. The funerals are more often than weddings, and you know how it is. You wear your black suit and your good hat to a wedding and a funeral, so mm-hmm. he's gone to so many funerals all dressed <laughs> up. So when you said he was thinking wedding, but he thinks of dressing up for for weddings, and then he said funeral. So it's one of those things. Anyway, um, you got that. <laughs> Nobody else probably did, though. I'm going to go classic cowboy and say George Strait, mm-hmm. and then we're going to throw – I might get props for this. 
I'm going to say Kenny Chesney. And then, um, <laughs> and then I'm going to put, uh, shoot, you know who I like? I listen a lot. Well, we talked about it. I like Chris Stapleton. And then Glenn Campbell. And you know what? Glenn Campbell's, because it's Mount Rushmore, nobody's first. And I'd have to say Glenn Campbell, anytime that I ever feel down or sad or I feel happy or any other way, I can listen to Glenn Campbell and be and feel good. So there's me. Okay. All right, Joe. George Strait is a good one. I mean, both of those were very good Mount Rushmore's. I'm really going to have to think here. Yeah, don't steal. No stealing. Yeah, well, that that's why it's crappy going last. <laughs> All right, well, neither of you guys. Is, is that it. why you butt in there after you said you go ahead? And then you were like, oh, I'm but no, um, I, I wanted to deliberate a little bit more on Mount Rushmore because it, it'd be so easy to have a lot of recency bias. I mean, Mount Rushmore is it's almost like your historical guys, right? Um all right. I'll lay I'll lay it on you. Here, here's my thoughts. Um, neither of you guys said him, which is very criminal in my book. Um, I think Garth Brooks has to be on there. All right, that's a conversation, I think, but go ahead. Okay. All right. You don't think you don't think Garth Brooks? I mean, I want to say body straight. Well, where is the music? I'm not signed up for the special Garth website. Where are the bodies? <laughs> but um okay. But I like him. I just can't listen to him. And and the bodies cry out. They cry out. The families need closure. That's true. Eddie lives too close to us. Well, I'm I'm gonna do something uh neither of you two misogynists did and put a woman on my Mount Rushmore. Uh I'm gonna put Dolly Parton on there. I think Dolly Parton belongs on the Mount Rushmore. Um and then I think Willie Nelson belongs on there. Ben disagrees with me. No, no. I'm with you, I'm with you on Dolly and I'm with you on and honestly. Somebody could have Kenny's place on mine, but uh, no, you can't bet. No, that's just an experimental it's comment. Carved in stone is Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's Mount Rushmore. You hey, I don't know. They're they're talking about Kenny deleting. Chesney. Yeah, they're talking about refacing Mount Rushmore. Though they want to put AOC up there beside Kamala Harris and then Joe Biden, and and my favorite pick of all. He always does this, Dylan. I. I'm in the middle of my Mount Rushmore and he's just talking all this junk about stuff. That's not even important when I'm trying, I, I let you do your Mount Rushmore and you didn't even let me finish mine yet. It's the relationship thing. It is. <laughs> okay. I've named three, get one more and it's tough to round out the list. Um, man. Yeah. I, Podcasters George Strait block. was a really good pick. What's up? Podcaster's block. Yeah, I do have pod. I got to send block. you some of that alpha brain. Well, I, I've I've had a ton of names going through my head. Um, all right, here's a little different one, and it's a it's just like a, a pander pick. But 
I really like Joe Diffie, so I'm going to put Joe Diffie. Hell yeah, on my there Mount Rushmore. So there it is, Garth, re, uh, Garth, Dolly, Dolly Parton, um, Willie Nelson, and Joe Diffie. I love it. Yeah, is Garth number one? I just have to know. No, that was in no. Pre- I mean, honestly, Dolly probably needs to be number one. Like, yeah, yeah, in terms of. Impact, people who have impacted the country music scene, Dolly's straight up there, and I love Dolly. I who got do you, two who horses do you love after. Yeah, I like Loretta Lynn. Yeah. I think a little more than Dolly. Now, I as yeah. far as the impact, I I hand it to Dolly, hands down, love her. But like, as in terms of listening to tons of music, I like Loretta Lynn. My favorite Dolly story. You know the songs nine to five and uh, I will always love you. Mm-hmm. Dolly wrote those two number one songs in the same day. Wow. In one session. So you sat down and wa- wrote two like greatest of all time songs in one day. What a stud. Yeah. She's a real deal, man. Pretty legit. Heck yeah. And on Garth, no, I don't dislike Garth necessarily, but we, it's just hilarious you said that because Garth is like a constant. Dylan knows more about him than I do. Go go for it. Yeah. Go off on Garth. I'm not going off. Because I like giving Garth some crap just because it's fun. That's the only reason why I do it. I I feel like Dylan Dylan knows a thing or two about the closet of Garth Brooks. Yeah, the title of this podcast is What Dylan Has Against Garth Brooks. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I don't really have, like, that much. Man. Just I, briefly I, summarize the yeah, stuff you know yeah, about. Yeah, because I, I don't you know any of the controversy. He's gone uh, down the rabbit hole. I know. Rabbit hole. Uh, I just don't like that real fake kind of commercialized country music. That's, that's why I was drawn into the Garth conspiracy. Anybody is interested in it, they, they can find out for themselves where that comes from but uh, what is the garth conspiracy uh check out ymh podcast and you'll find out okay not going down that hole yeah <laughs> well we want to get as many clicks as possible and to do that we need our guests like you to be as polarizing as they can be yeah well then tell us about chris Gaines. what do you know about chris Gaines? Oh, the Garth Alter Ego thing? That's a funny thing because that's no, actually... that's a different guy? No, that's Garth Brooks. Really? That's his Alter Ego. No, but I know. everybody gives Garth a hard time for the Chris Gaines thing, but that was supposed to be a character for a movie, and a lot of people don't know that. So he, really, he looks kind of like a goth kid on the uh, cover of that album, and people thought that he went crazy or something. But I guess it was supposed to be a movie, and it never got done or finished or came out, something like that. I see. But that's where that came from. It wasn't some crazy thing. It wasn't a midlife crisis that Garth had. But that's what most people think it was. Hmm. Oh, pretty weird. Yeah, though. I just thought that was a separately released album. That was like something he was trying out. No, it was supposed to be a soundtrack or something okay. like that. Is what I heard. Yeah. No, no we I, love Garth, though. I love that guy. song. Well, Is it Like the Rain? Me. Huh? No, no, that's Clint Black. Yeah. Um, no, Thunder you Rolls. like uh, Thunder Rolls. Yeah. Thunder Rolls. That's the yeah. one. That's a good yeah. song. But like, how do you guys listen to Garth? Don't you have to sign up for a special Garth? 
Man, I, I get in I someone else's you. car and like FM radio is playing. <laughs> so like that's the thing. Like between the three of us, when is the last time one of us heard a Garth Brooks song on good speakers, like on a on okay. a streaming network, like in our truck or something? Counterpoint. Well, isn't uh there, there's the Garth channel on Sirius? My dad listens to that in his truck. So did he like totally just divert the question? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, no, like, when's the last time you heard a Garth Brooks song? Probably riding with my dad in his truck. Oh. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's where you're getting. Yeah. I got gotcha. okay, like, you. Like, Garth has a channel on Sirius XM that's like his music and the music that he picks, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Oh, like, okay. Yeah. And so, like, there's a Garth Brooks channel on Sirius XM that's basically just Garth Brooks on shuffle. Oh, and that's probably the last time I listened to it because my dad listens to serious radio when he drives his truck. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, that's handy. But here is a counterpoint to what you just said. You're talking about how none of us listen to Garth. None of us do listen to Garth except for, you know, the odd blue moon when he comes up just out of nowhere. And we're still sitting here talking about him. We all know who he is. Like, is that not yeah. a testament to like how well, big of a deal he is? No, exactly. And the first song people sing when they're they're drunk in a bar and they're going to get up on stage is I've Got Friends in Lower Places. Yeah. So, yeah, he's woven into the American American experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, here, another question for you, Dylan, real quick. What's your uh, go-to karaoke song? I don't have one. If yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find that out next week and I'll let you know. <laughs> When we're down there at the it, it, like it, at the Crazy Goat or whatever that place is called, the, the Goat Island Tavern. Goat Island Tavern. Goat we'll Island figure Tavern. that out. Had yes. some good times there. Yeah. Um. No. I, but but seriously, someone's got a, a gun to Ben's head at the bar and says, "Hey, you got to go up and and sing a karaoke song right now. What song you are you going up and singing?" You're dying, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it. I, I don't know. That's a good question. I really don't know. Maybe, uh, uh, probably just because I'm in Georgia, it'd be that that Billy Joe Shaver song. I've been to Georgia on a fast train. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Probably that one. Yeah, that's like my song. Yeah, that's a good song. That is a good song. I like that. What about you, Ben? What's your go-to karaoke? Mm, Ring of Fire, all day, brother. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one too. Um, if, if you can get someone else to do karaoke with you, you know what a great karaoke song is, is, uh, mountain music. You did that one time, right? Yeah. I've done that a time or two, but it, it's, it's great. Cause everyone knows it and it's not like vocally demanding of a song by any means. There, there's not a lot of range in that song. It's just kind of singing along, you know. Do you remember when we were at the Goat Island Tavern? I think it was us and Robbie, and they played mountain music, and everybody started banging on the bar. Yeah, oh, that's along. right. Yeah. That went wild. It yeah. was nuts. That that song gets people apy. I had never seen it, that. Yeah, it 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 just gets people going, man. Yeah. And if you yeah. sing a song that gets people going. You don't have to sing all that well. And that's kind of the point of karaoke. Yeah. That was wild. Yeah. 
Oh, shoot. Well, we'll do that again before you go. Yeah. We're, we're going to hit the Goat Island Tavern. We're going to hit the Crazy Bowl. We're yeah. going to hit a few places. There's a new place. It's called BJ's in Macon. They've got like four pool tables. It's nice. It's actually a nice place. It's like one of those bars where they build it into an old building. And you've got brick walls, huh. nice pool tables, a good bar, decent clientele. So down here, and Dylan knows, I mean, it's a tough deal. You either find a complete dive that's like a cinder block place on the side of the highway with like helter skelter signs, or it's like, or it's just a little uncomfortable, like it's just too much. So it's nice to find a good place down here. Yeah. It's not like out west where the little towns, like that's a center. That's like a center of activity to have a good bar yeah. with like a good atmosphere. Yeah. You just don't have that here, but they're working on it. But yeah. There's some nice places here in the South. I've really liked it. Yeah. Good. It's been fun just a little bit. I, I mean, it hasn't been a little bit. We've spent quite a bit of time together. We've become good friends yeah. since you've been moved over here, but it's been fun having you around, man. Yeah. No, it's been a We're great gonna time. We're going to miss you. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll be around. We sure will. I hope so. We sure will. Well, we need to wrap this podcast up because, shoot, we've been going at it for a little while. All right. But, um. We are very glad that you came down here and hung out with us, and thanks for coming on the podcast. We'll check in with you at some point. Okay. We'll have to have you back on eventually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll have to circle back for sure. Yep. I'll All right. Sweet, there. man. Happy trails. All right. See ya. All right. Bye, everybody.